It is Easter, and Easter is also supposed to be springtime. <laughs> but then we get snow, right? Now, I don't know who of you still have your snow tires on, but I just changed mine last week, so I'm considering if I should switch back to snow tires or stick with my current tires. But here is the interesting thing. I posted this week, we've been in Canada for six months, in like, what, three days, I think, and um, a friend of mine said, why don't you post some posts on social media about changes, about differences between South Africa and Canada. So I'm like, okay, I'm up for it. So one of the things I posted this week was my tire change. And for most of you here, you're like, oh, but that's normal. Like, why should I post that on social media? I'm because in other countries of the world, we don't randomly change our tires twice a year. <laughs> so I know for you it makes sense, but for everyone else, they're thinking like, what is wrong with Canadian roads, are they really that bad? Like, are your tires that bad quality that they just like run off in like 5,000 kilometers? Like, no one knows what's going on. So then I had to explain why we have to do this, why we need to change our tires. We don't just do it for fun, we don't do it just for no reason. There's a purpose, there's a why behind the what. And what is interesting is when I think about that, it's such a simple example, but often the same kind of thing happens when we think about something like Easter. When I ask you what Easter is about, whether this is your first day in church your whole life, whether this is your first day back since COVID started, or whether we're here every second Sunday, you all know, and we've already said it, that today is about celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. So it's like, yes, I know that. And if you, even if you didn't know that, today is a public holiday, so you still have an idea what it is about. It's a day that a lot of people go to church with the rest of the year that don't necessarily care about it. I'm like, is this all it is, just a day that we say we remember the resurrection of Jesus? Is this all it is that we remember his, his cross and, it's, and, and then his resurrection? And it's kind of like this thing that we do every year, a tradition that we follow, a, a habit that we do, something to please my mom that keeps inviting me to church. So once a year I say, okay, fine, mom, I will go. Is that all it is or is there something more to it? Is there a why behind the what? Because just we don't just change our tires randomly. I don't think we should just go to church randomly. And that is what we're busy with in this series, this Easter series. And if you missed any of this, it's available on all podcasting platforms, or you can go to um, YouTube and go and watch them. But in this series, in the shoes of, we swap the way that we're looking at Easter this year. So instead of looking at it from the perspective of Jesus, we're looking at it from the perspective of people who encounter Jesus on those specific days. And we're trying to figure out what it meant for them. What was the, high behind, the why behind the what for them? So I'm not going to try and convince any of you today that Jesus is the resurrected Lord. If you wonder about that and if you've got questions about it, you can come and ask me about that afterwards. I do believe there's enough evidence um, both in the Bible and sources outside of the Bible that tells us that there is real truth in this, in Jesus being resurrected. But my job today is not to try to convince you. What I want you to see today is because most of you here, whether it is just a tradition or whether you're here today because you already love and follow Jesus passionately, most of us have an idea what this is about. But the problem in the Christian church, in the Christian world, is not a hate knowledge problem. We all have really big heads filled with a lot of knowledge. Knowledge is at our fingertips. You can just Google it and you can get it. So the problem is not that you need more knowledge 
knowledge this morning. The problem that I think we're experiencing in the Christian church is that somewhere there's a disconnect between our head knowledge and our heart knowledge. Somewhere we've lost the ability to really translate this into a deeper heart language where we understand the heart behind what Jesus went through. This is what we're trying to remedy in this series. So today, our topic on Easter Sunday is in the shoes of the travelers. And we're going to encounter two travelers that on this very morning, about 2,000 years ago, encountered someone that was supposed to be dead. That was Jesus. And we're going to read their story because they also had a whole bunch of head knowledge, but they needed a heart change. So we're going to see what happened in their lives today. If you've got your Bible with you, you can turn to Luke 24. It will be on the screen as well. Or if you don't have a Bible, ask us for one. Or you can download the YouVersion Bible app on your phone. and You can have any translation you can think of. Um, available at the tip of your fingers. But we're going to be reading from Luke today, one of the Gospels, one of the books in the Bible that tells us about the life of Jesus while he was on earth. Now, this is a bit of a longer piece. I don't normally read a piece this long, but um, this is such an amazing story of what happened on that day that I don't think we can skip any of this. So Luke 14 from verse 13. Now that same day, this is the Sunday, Jesus died on the Friday and on the third day, he rose. This is the third day that he rose. And on that same day, two of them, two of the disciples, two of the followers of Jesus, two travelers were going to a village called Emmaus, about 11 kilometers from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up. And walked among them. Can you imagine that? Jesus just sitting next to you in this moment. But they were kept from recognizing him. So Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. You can almost see the expression on their face. We're like, seriously? Where, where do you come from, guy? Like, what's going on? The faces were downcast, and one of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Do you not have a news app on your phone? Come on. What things? Jesus asked. And they replied about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. But we had so hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all of this took place. So they clearly remember something about Jesus saying on the third day, he will rise. Because they're like, it's the third day and what's going on? They still know Jesus. They're talking to him, right? And in addition, some of our women amazed us. Maybe it should have been translated as confused us because they went to the tomb early in the morning, but they didn't find his body. So they came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to see, went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But they did not see Jesus. So Jesus said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all 
that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses, so the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, the books that Moses wrote, and with and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scripture concerning himself. So he gives them all the knowledge, right? Then as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day's almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, he broke it, and began to give it to them. In that moment, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So then they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. And there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true. The Lord has risen and he has appeared to Simon. And then the two told them what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. That's what we're going to read today. Amazing story of these two travelers traveling together. And then we read basically from verse 13 that they, while Jesus appears to them, Jesus is walking next to them, but they do not recognize Jesus. They do not realize whom they're talking to. They do not recognize who is walking with them. And we read that the Bible specifically says they were kept from recognizing him. A lot of theologians believe that God prevented them from recognizing Jesus. I don't think we necessarily need to read anything into that more than they didn't recognize him because yes, it could have been God that for some reason prevented them from seeing them. But what I do know is there's maybe a different reason why they didn't see Jesus. Why they didn't recognize him. And that was the fact that they were so consumed with everything that happened around them. With the death of Jesus, the one that they thought would bring them the Israelites victory over the Roman Empire. They were so consumed with losing this amazing teacher and prophet that this amazing teacher and prophet that's more than just a teacher and prophet, while he's standing right next to them, they don't even see him because they are so consumed with all of the worries of this world, with all of the circumstances happening around them. So we literally see playing out here, externally, outwardly, what is going on inwardly in their lives. So outwardly, they don't recognize Jesus. Why? Because inwardly, they didn't recognize him. Inwardly, they are so consumed with all of the mess the world is in, that they don't even see Jesus. See, that's not just them that do it. We do it every single day. COVID for two years. Everyone is worried that they're going to get sick and die and the world is going to collapse and then war in Ukraine and then we're even more worried. What about a third world war and then spring randomly appears in the middle, winter appears in the middle of spring and we have all these summer plans and these Easter traditions and there's so much going on around us. We are so overscheduled. We're so overburdened, not just because of what's happening around us, but how we choose to focus on everything going on around us that often we miss Jesus. Maybe the only time that you've thought of Jesus' whole Easter was now while you're sitting in church. 
Not because he's not there, not because he's not the resurrected Lord, not because he's not alive, but because you're so overscheduled and so worried about everything that you do not have control over happening around you that you just miss Jesus completely. See, just being here today doesn't mean that you're actually going to see Jesus. That you're actually going to recognize him. That you're actually going to have a relationship with him. You can walk next to Jesus as these travelers and still miss him. You can sit in church on a Sunday and still miss him. You can even have knowledge because Jesus spoke to them throughout the scriptures. You can have knowledge of the Bible and still miss Jesus. Because you're so consumed with everything else. So you can get so caught up in everything going on in your life. Your kids' sport, COVID, your fears, your finances, your Easter traditions and the Easter bunny and eggs. And none of that is bad. We're going to have a huge Easter egg hunt today. But you can get so caught up in everything that you miss Jesus in the process. I want to tell you, as long as external circumstances consume all of our capacity, we leave no space for Jesus in our lives. As long as your external circumstances consumes all of your capacity in your life, you have left no space for Jesus in your life. And the sad part is it's not just external circumstances, but sometimes it's internal Things. Sometimes it's the internal expectations that we had. Just like they had expectations that Jesus would save them, sometimes we have expectations that Jesus would heal us or that Jesus would reveal himself to us. Sometimes it's those internal expectations that we're so focused on the expectations and the disappointments that we experience because he didn't come through for us. That we miss Jesus. Sometimes it's the unbelief. They knew Jesus was coming back. They've heard the the woman saying that the grave is empty. Still they couldn't believe. So maybe it's your unbelief that's preventing you from seeing Jesus and encountering him. But it's the external things and the internal things all can create the space where we just miss Jesus completely. And maybe you're here today. And maybe your expectations didn't go the way you were hoping. Maybe you were praying for healing and it didn't happen or for financial breakthrough and you're still struggling. Maybe you've experienced a lot of disappointments or questions about the faith. Maybe you're sitting here today with serious doubt. Maybe you're just here because someone brought you. What, a, what do we do with that then? What do we do with all of our questions? What do we do with our doubts? What do we do with all of that? And there is no reason for you to leave it at the door when you walk in these buildings. Because this is not a group of perfect people. This is not people with all the answers. We do serve a God with all the answers. We don't have all the answers. So there's no reason for you to leave your questions and your unbelief at the door. Bring them along. Because if you don't bring them along, you will wrongly believe that you can take care of everything yourself. You will wrongly believe that you can find faith in some form of religion yourself. And every time you will be disappointed because every time your expectations was wrong. I want to show you something today. When can you do my chair? And let me, I need, I need a, someone to help me. Raise a hand. Someone, 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 someone. I'll, otherwise I'll pick you. Okay. Come on, Christopher. Can you sit on that chair for me? You see, often... Good. Thank you. Okay. Often we believe that we have to handle our questions on our own. 
Often we believe that our doubt is not welcome with God, so we sit there, we try to deal with it on our own. Often we believe that our mourning is something that we just have to go through on our own. And we try to hide it and we try to take care of it. And often we believe that our brokenness and our sin and our darkness, that we're just so trapped in it that we have to take care of it on our own. These two men thought that they had to deal with all of this on their own as well. But what is so beautiful to me and why I said you don't have to leave your doubts and your questions at the door is because Jesus doesn't leave us. Just because we have questions or doubts or disappointment or because we're mourning, this is what Jesus does. Jesus comes and he gets them and he's like, let's go on a journey together. And Jesus listens to all of their complaining. Jesus listens to all of their disappointments. Jesus listens to them while they are saying, where is this Jesus that we believe in? And then Jesus goes and he's like, you're not on your own. Let me help you understand. So Jesus starts to explain to them on this journey. But Jesus keeps walking with them. He doesn't leave them on their own in the darkest point of their life. He journeys with them. And full of empathy and full of love, he answers every question they have. Thank you for your help, Christopher. You're very welcome. I help you down. And just as I have the privilege of helping Christopher down the stairs, so Jesus helped those two men down the stairs of their own brokenness. He walks with them as a friend, listening to their sorrows and their hes- hesitations. And he spends quality time accompanying them as they go through this process of healing. So I want to tell you today, maybe you have missed Jesus because of things that's going on outside. Maybe you've missed Jesus because of things going on in your life. But Jesus doesn't leave you there. Jesus chooses to walk with you through the darkest times of your life. He doesn't have to. He chooses to. He appears to these men and he asks them, what are you talking about? I'm interested in your life. I'm interested in the questions you have. I'm interested in your unbelief. Tell me about it. He chooses to engage with us even when we don't engage with him. He's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of your darkness. But this week... As I was preparing this message, actually yesterday, like this really hit me. Like one of those moments that you cannot describe any way, any other way than saying it was really a sacred moment. Where I felt like God was saying to me, Louis, the problem is that you guys settle on a powerful idea of Jesus, on an image of Jesus, but he's so much more than that. See, these guys had an idea who Jesus was. They settled on that he was a prophet and that he was a great leader. But he had so much more for them, but they just got stuck there. They just accepted the current reality. They didn't trust in what Jesus promised them. They settled not on the best that God had for them, but they settled on something inferior. And maybe today you're sitting here and maybe you feel like there should be more to this Christian thing. I want to tell you there is more. 
If you're not experiencing more, the problem is not with Jesus. He's the one who conquered death, who conquered sin. The problem doesn't lie with him. He's capable of doing so much more than we can imagine. The problem lies with us that we have settled for an idea of who Jesus is that's so far inferior to who he actually is. See, the Christian church in the West is dying, not because God is dead, but because parents, because children looked at their parents that said they were Christian and they saw a dead religion. That is not Christianity and that's not the Jesus I serve. Just like that's why we are in the state. Because we've settled for less than all God wants for us. Don't settle for an idea of Jesus rather than the real thing. Don't settle for just knowing about Jesus, having knowledge about him, while he wants you to know him intimately. Don't settle for just religion while he wants to walk with you and journey with you and have a personal intimate relationship with you. Don't settle for letting God's best for you. See, they were so consumed with everything outside and inside of their life that they kept missing Jesus even though he was walking with them, even though he gave them all the information they needed. But then something changes. And this seems like such a minor little thing. But it changed everything. In verse 28 to 29... Jesus wants to walk on. Now, they've already traveled the long way. It's not safe to travel at night. So they knew they had to stop over, and Jesus pretends that he's going to walk on. He knew their hearts. He knew they was going to invite him. But in that moment, they stop and they invite Jesus, and they say, Jesus, come and eat with us. Come and stay with us. That seems so small, right? But that moment changed. In that moment, something more important than we can ever imagine change in their life. In that moment, for the first time, over these past couple of kilometers that they walked, for the first time, they shifted their focus. For the first time, they moved their focus away from their external circumstances, away from their internal circumstances, away from what they were feeling, away from their pain, away from their own darkness, and they moved it to someone else. And by that simple offer of hospitality, they transcended their self-concern and sadness and foolishness and slowness of heart. And in that moment, they prepared themselves to see the real Jesus. So this is what I learned, that as long as Jesus remains a tag along in your life, as long as Jesus is someone that you're dragging along while you are concerned with everything external and internal, as long as Jesus is just something that you celebrate on Easter and Christmas and come to church twice a year, as long as Jesus is something that you believe you can just do on your own, you don't need to be part of his beautiful bride and his body, the church, as long as Jesus just have access to certain parts of your life and not everything, as long as Jesus remains a tag along in your life you will never encounter the real Jesus if he has to fit in with your plan and in your focus nothing more will ever come from the relationship see in Revelation 3 verse 20 we read that Jesus says I'm knocking on the door of your heart he's doing that right now 
for each one of us. The fact that you're here, even if your mom dragged you along, you are here because God has a plan for your life and he, he wanted you to be here this morning. And he's knocking on the door of your heart. But you see, as long as he has to fit in with your plans and as long as he has to remain on the outside of the door, nothing more will come from that relationship because Jesus clearly says in Revelation 3 that you have to open the door and say, Jesus, come in. You have to choose to take the focus of yourself, of your own brokenness, of your own questions, of your own sin, of everything that's going on around the world, and you have to choose to focus on Jesus. Because only when our focus moves away from ourselves, only when your focus moves away from yourself and you experience true communion with Christ will you see Him for who He truly is. See, they they saw Jesus for who He is, not when they read the Bible, because Jesus was... Explaining it all to them, right? That reveals something for them, but they still didn't understand exactly. They still didn't see Jesus for who he is. They didn't just experience Jesus because more than two of them were together. That's often what we say, right? We two or more gather, God is there. Yes, he is. They still didn't see Jesus for who he was. They saw Jesus for who he was when they sat down with him around a table. And they had a meal with Jesus. Invite 10 strangers to your house and see how awkward it is. Then set a table and serve food. And suddenly you're hanging out as if you're best friends. Why? Because there's something that happens in that intimacy where we actually sit and talk to each other, put the phones down for a while, forget about everything that's going on, and actually just focus on each other. And the same for our relationship with Jesus. Unless we sit down at his feet, we will never know more. And you can blame the church for the fact that you do not have a relationship with Jesus, or you can blame God himself, but the problem is me who's not willing to go and sit at his feet and say, Jesus, I need more because I'm tired. I'm tired of religion. They sat down with Jesus and everything changed in an instant. They say, didn't our hearts, weren't our hearts on fire when we were with Jesus? Wasn't everything different? They're like, I've just felt like the same all the time. But then when I was with Jesus, something changed. A passion came alive. There was a fire burning inside of me. They went from hopeless to full of celebration. In the middle of the night, they didn't care about the bandits. In the middle of the night, they're like, we're going back to Jerusalem. We're going to tell the disciples that Jesus is alive because there's a passion, there's a fire inside of me that I cannot put out, that I cannot contain. And that is what I realized in that moment that I spoke about yesterday, is that we settle for less. It is not okay that our hearts are not on fire. It's not okay that we're not passionate. You see, when you truly have an encounter with Jesus, a real encounter with Him will set your heart on fire. And it will change the course of your life forever. These guys were not only set alight, but they were on the way, away. They were away Went away from Jerusalem, now suddenly they're heading back 180 turn degree, right? 
And I want to tell you today that I believe if our hearts are not on fire, something is wrong. And that something is that we have settled for less than what God wants for us. If we just sit here on a Sunday, but the rest of our life feels and looks the same as people without Jesus, then this is worth nothing. But that's not what God wants. That's not what He's planning for you. That's not what He wants for you. He wants to set your heart alight with hope and beauty and joy and peace that you can never fathom. And it is such a burning passion inside of our lives that we cannot contain it. That I don't care about the fact that we don't talk politics and church in Canada. I cannot contain it because my heart is so alight that it just sets everything on fire. I don't care about the fact that someone is not a believer. I'll pray for them because I believe God has something better in store for them as well. I don't mind saying, God, use me however you want. I don't mind feeling stupid. I don't mind feeling ashamed because my heart is so on fire I cannot contain it. That is what Easter is about. That is what Resurrection Sunday is about. Jesus is alive so that we can live life to the fullest. So I want to encourage you to break the tradition of coming to church twice a year or finding all kinds of excuses for not spending time with Jesus. I want to encourage you to look away from all the distractions internally and externally. And I want to encourage you to go and sit down on the floor, to kneel, to lie on your bed, to open that word and not put it down till your heart is on fire. Let's pray. Jesus, you are alive, and therefore we are alive. Jesus, I don't want to live like someone who follows a dead God. I don't want to live like someone who's got an ideal picture of Jesus, but it's not the real thing. I pray, Jesus, that you would set our hearts on fire, that we will burn for you, and as the quotes say, that people will come for miles to watch us burn. That the passion that you have set alight in our hearts will spread like a wildfire. That people will find hope and joy and life and purpose in Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your amazing sacrifice. Thank you that you conquer death. Thank you that you give us life. Amen.